I began a, a conversation last week called God is not through blessing you. Did anyone get anything out of last week's word? <laughs> and um, I want to continue talking about this a little bit. I do want to remind you that our God is a God of restoration. A God of recovery. He's a God of better days. He's a, he's a God who wants to work in your future. We learned last week that God blessed Job more in the second half of his life than in the first half of his life. We learned that God gave Job double everything he lost. Double, double, double. Come on. And, um, and that's, that's our declaration. Our declaration is simple. God is not through blessing you that your greatest days are still out in front of you. We are believing for better days, brighter days, and bigger days in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. We, we, we refuse to settle in what was, and we refuse to settle in what has always been. Our past is not a prediction of our future. <sighs> Come on, somebody. And... And we're believing for greater things. David said it like this, Psalm 27, 13. I'm convinced of this. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm confident of it. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to see it before I die. I'm going to see it on this side of eternity. I'm going to see God's goodness. And so we're believing God for this. And I want to read 1 Samuel 30. I'm going to read uh, three, cha uh, three verses to you. I'd invite you to stand for God's word as we read together. I'm going to read uh, the end of verse 6, and then I'm going to read 7 and 8. And uh, I don't always ask you to stand for God's Word, because sometimes I'll read like 20 verses. It's a little too long. But if we're ever reading a short passage, I believe it's good to honor God's Word. And uh, I know it's old school, but I think we need more old school. Yeah? That's why I'm wearing old school shoes today. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Verse 6 says, And David strengthened himself or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to the priest, Please bring me an ephod. And they brought David an ephod. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop, Lord? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue. You shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Verse 7, um, David said, please bring me an ephod. And I want to preach uh, this morning from the subject, bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. Hashtag, this is how I fight my battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag, this how I fight my battles. Father, speak to us now in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Go ahead and grab your seat. <clears throat> uh, bring me... Bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. Uh, David has uh, found himself in a tough situation. Maybe you find yourself in a tough situation. David has been anointed king. God has called him to lead Israel. But Saul is still in power. And so David is in a waiting season. He's in between who he used to be and who he's becoming. There is an anointing on his life for leadership, but no appointing. And you have to be anointed before you're appointed, 
but most people never walk in their appointing because they didn't steward their anointing. You know what? That's, that's all I got. I'll see you next week. That's good enough. Because no. <laughs> we don't want to steward small. We want to lead big. But you actually have to learn how to live big in a small place. Dream big, pray big, serve big, love big in a situation that's smaller than you or smaller than that weird Holy Spirit destiny thing calling out on the inside of you. It's like Jesus when he was in the room with his disciples and he knew God had given him all authority, John 13. And so instead of telling his disciples, I have all authority, he washed their feet. Instead of exalting himself, he let the Father do that in the resurrection. Because that is what the resurrection is. The resurrection is God's amen. And a lot of you are trying to resurrect yourself. You're trying to show, uh, you know, that you are this person that God has called you to be. But God said, no, no, no. I told you that's who you are. And when it's time, I'll exalt you. But I don't exalt exalters. I exalt foot washers. Yeah, and so I've been anointed, I'm waiting to be appointed, and in the middle is always an attack. There's always an attack in the middle place because the enemy is hoping to stop you before you walk in everything God has for you. By the way, the enemy never attacks you for who you are, he attacks you for who you're becoming. And God forbid the devil has more faith in you than you have in yourself. And you're going, why am I under attack? I ain't all that. You're right, but you're becoming all that. And the enemy sees something in you that he's trying to halter and falter so that you never step in it. But the devil is a liar. And I believe you're going to recover all. I believe you're going to get everything God has for you. All right, I'm just warming up. I'm just warming up. I'm not in a hurry. And so now David finds himself with 600 of his men. They've just won the victory. They've just went to battle. They just won a victory. They've come back to their town that is called Ziklag. And when they get there, the Bible said that the enemy had come in, burned down their whole city, and stole all of their, their wives and their sons and their daughters. And so he's now in a tough place. He's now in a hard place because he really needs victories in this moment to build clout for where God's taking him. And so he's dealing with this national pressure. He's dealing with this internal pressure. He's dealing with spiritual pressure. He's dealing with emotional pressure. He, it's really pressure on every place. He, he's been the one who's been anointed. He's been the one that the woman sang about when they would say Saul killed his thousands, but David is 10,000s. He's, he's rallied this ragtag, uh, ragtag group of warriors that have come around him and said, we know you're the next king. And now David is really suffering his first public loss. And he's having to learn how to deal with this moment. And maybe you're in a moment right now where it seemingly feels like loss. It feels like something's been taken from you. It feels like something has been destroyed. And you're kind of going, man, I don't know exactly what to do. Well, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you what David did. And I do believe that what David did, you can do. 
And I believe that if you'll do what David did, you'll get what David got. WWDD. Wait, what would David do? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm smart. Let me give you three things from the text. I'm going to preach a little bit. Is that okay? So when I, when I ramp up, ramp up with me. I know I, I know I was teaching on relationships and it was really, but now I'm preaching. So help me preach. Number one, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. David strengthened himself in the Lord. If you are reading out of the traditional King James, it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Same, same Hebrew word there. David receives a terrible report and he decides to do the one thing that he's always done and the one thing that he would continue to need to do and the one thing that you'll need to continue to do, David got alone with God. This word strengthen means to hold on. David held on to the Lord his God. This word means to press in. This word literally means to be restored. It was like before I see it, I'm gonna become it. Because we want things to work out in the external and we think the internal will follow. It never works that way. It actually has to start on the inside. You actually have to get healthy and whole and healed in here before things start changing out here. Not, not because God won't do it, but because if, if you're still sick and you walk into a healthy situation, you'll make it sick. You will contaminate it because we are contagious. Faith is contagious. Doubt is contagious. Fear is contagious. Joy is contagious. Love is contagious. Being petty is contagious. Speaking life is contagious and gossip is contagious. So God, God says, David, I, David says this, before I see the restoration, I think that's coming. First, I'm going to be restored. Like I'm going to choose to recover right now on the inside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to get a word from God and I'm going to press in and I'm going to hold on. And you really know you need to hold on when you want to let go. You really got to learn how to press in and you really need to press in when you don't want to press in. When you want to pull back. When you want to go hide, when you want to run away from it. And David said, I want to run, but I'm going to hold on instead. I want to bounce on these jokers, but I'm going to lean in. I want to go figure things out by myself, but instead, I'm going to choose to be restored. And I believe that if God can do a work on the inside, I'll be okay with his timing when he does it on the outside. The reason some of you are so impatient is because you still haven't let God do it in here. So it never happens fast enough. By the way, and then when God does it, he, he never does it big enough. Because you're not healed enough. But if, if you can get good here, Whatever God does is good. And it's actually bigger than it would have been because you're better. 
David said, I'm gonna choose to be restored. I'm gonna hold on and I'm gonna lean in. Let me give you three things quickly about this before I move on. You gotta hold on to Jesus, to community, and to the future. Hold on to God. Just hold on to God. Like, just hold on. There's just times where you gotta hold on. Like Jacob, when he said in the book of, of Genesis, God, I'm not letting go till you bless me. Like this is a significant season, therefore it's gonna take significant seeking. Wow. Yeah? Like I'm not just gonna read my four chapters a day to get through the Bible in a year. I need, like, I need a word from heaven right now. And sometimes when you're really desperate, sometimes the best thing to do is break out of your religious routine and just stick with the scripture that speaks to you. Like sometimes it's like, I'm gonna hide in Psalm 23 and I just ain't moving because I just need something that I actually get and I actually know and actually speaks to my spirit. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna hang out in Hebrews 11 and read about faith till I get some faith. I'm just gonna read, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read John 11 until I receive a resurrection. Like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hang out in something that I know so that it can build in my heart. This is what I'm telling you to hold on to Jesus. How about like get one worship song that speaks to you and work that worship song till every last goosebump leaves your arm. Come on, somebody. Like, like right now I'm listening to this song. Um, uh, you can, I don't know what it's called. Never Lost a Battle by Elevation. Oh man, that's my jam right now. I've, that's the only thing I've listened to for the last few, few weeks. I mean, it's just in me. It's just in me. It's just in me. Sometimes you just got to get a song and you just got to work it. And you just got to hold on to God. Listen to the same sermon. Listen to the same, I mean, until you really get a breakthrough. That's, I'm talking about holding on to God because this is a significant moment, David said, and therefore it's going to take me holding on, pressing in and being restored to God. Number two, get restored or hold on to community, excuse me. David had no one but a few in the priesthood because all the rest of the guys wanted to kill him. <laughs> That's awesome. People make no sense. Literally the day before, they're like, you are the anointed king. You're gonna replace Saul. You're the man. The next day, they're like, our wives are gone, our kids are gone, our house is burned. Let's kill you. Like, that's going to help. <laughs> uh, side note, never make a decision when you're grieving. You know it, don't you? Weston's pointing at me. That's a, that's a way of saying amen in sign language. No, probably not, but it's just, that's like Pentecostal, like you know is that not true? Did that not happen for you? Were you not going through it and you gave me something? And I went, I wouldn't do that. I would do this because I knew you were grieving. Don't make, a, don't make a decision when you're afraid. Don't make a decision when you're under pressure. Hey, I got to make this decision and, and you got to do it in the next three days. Well, then no. Well, you know, brother, God's in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. God's ageless and timeless. If you're, if you're outside of time, that means you can't be in a hurry. God's on a prophetic time clock. Really? You don't think he can change it? He is God. Like, it's just for somebody. It's for my charismaniacs in here who are mad at me right now by your end time theology. I'm just saying... You got to relax on all that. And you actually got to go in the, in the pace that the Holy Spirit has for you. These guys grieve and they go, man, we're really sad. Let's kill our leader. 
makes no sense. So I'm talk, when I'm talking about holding on a community, I'm talking about you got to find a few people who can just keep you cool and calm. David's like, yo, priest, let's have a conversation. Like, I just need somebody that I can, because everybody else wants to kill me and everyone else is freaking out, and I just need someone I can talk to. That's why good community is so important. That's why having a few good friends is so important. You don't need a lot of friends. You've seen a few good ones. It is amazing, too, by the way. Last week, Job's friends, we, we discovered, blamed it on Job. And this week, David's friends blame it on David. Be really careful with people that seem to only show up when you're winning. But when you're grieving, they're either non-existent or they're somehow blaming you. When people show you who they are, believe them. Some of y'all sitting by someone, you're like, dang it. I know this joker's in trouble. I know. Okay, I'm going to keep moving because it got too quiet. Number, number three, you got you to you hold on to the future. I find it amazing that the enemy did not kill the children or the wives. Yet in, in this time, in this era, it was, that's, it, that's the very thing you did. The only person you actually let live was the king. Because he would become a trophy. But you definitely killed the women and children. This was a barbaric time in human history. And yet they didn't kill the children and they didn't kill the wives. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, if you're not careful, you'll get content with the fact that the devil hasn't killed you or destroyed you while settling for letting him steal from you. So I'm alive and I'm not destroyed, but I've, but I've allowed him to continue to take from me. <laughs> and so I'm like the walking dead. I, 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 I'm alive, but I'm dead on the inside. The, I, I'm, I'm not destroyed, but I lost my joy. I lost my faith. I lost my trust. I lost my fire. I lost my praise. Like I'm still, I'm still here, but I'm, but I'm kind of empty. And if you're not careful, you'll actually settle for that. And what the enemy will do is he will bleed you out really slowly over time. Because the, the enemy's smart enough to know that if he just comes after you, he'll just, you'll, you'll, you'll come alive in the spirit and go, oh, no, 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 I'm under attack, and you'll stop it. So what he'll do is, through disappointment, he'll just make you heart sick. And he'll just take a little by little by, until eventually you're too cold to lift your hands and you're too, you're too broken to pray and you're too blocked off to open up to anybody and everybody's your enemy and you're mad at everybody and God's good to everybody but you. And, and, it, and it didn't happen overnight. It happens in moments. Don't let the devil steal from you 
You, the Bible says you can catch a thief and make him pay back seven times, Proverbs chapter four. There, there comes a point where you actually have to get fed up with this because if you're not careful, you'll be alive, but you've, but you've lost things. Um, experience is really good, but not all experience is good. Some experience is just bad. And you actually just have to look at it and not go, well, praise the Lord, or, well, I don't. You just have to look at it and go, that was bad. Because unless you call it bad, you'll keep the door open to letting it still speak to you. And you'll still be emotionally attached to it instead of cutting it off and saying, that was the devil. And I'm done with it, and I'll never put up with that again. And you actually have to call it evil, or you'll continue to let it eat away at you. That situation was bad. That moment was terrible. That was, that was an attack. That was the enemy. And I'm calling it what it is, so I can then address it, renounce it, and move on from it. Come on, can you say amen? I'm helping you right now. Listen, if you're, if, if, I understand experience can be good, but if your experience has led you to smaller thinking, a harder heart, and less vision, your experience is bad. I get pastors who tell me stuff, oh, of course you're growing, you're young. What? It's easy to grow when you're young. It is? Enjoy Goldie now. Wait till she's 15 and crazy. What? Who says this stuff? Devil, you're a liar. I'm sorry your 15-year-old went crazy. I'm sorry. But don't put that on my child. Well, you know, after the recession, homie, it was seven years ago. When are you going to forgive and let go and go, that sucked. But I'm not, I'm not gonna, because if you're not, see, because now every decision will be based on what happened. And it's so easy to do that because you still have an emotion. See, you have an emotional attachment to your past. You don't have an emotional attachment yet to your future because you've never experienced it. So therefore, even when I talk about your best days, what you're actually doing is you're looking back on your best day and you're saying that's as good as it can get. So I want to prophesy over somebody. Your past is not your prophecy. Your past is not your pit. And your past is not a prediction. I'm talking to you guys right there. Your, <laughs> your past is not your prophecy. It's not your pit. And it's not a prediction of where you're going. I totally believe your best days are in front of you. I totally believe God's healing your body. I totally believe in restoration. I totally believe God brought you to this city for this church. I totally believe God has a word for you. I totally believe God has a plan for your children. I dare you to shout right now if I could get somebody to help me preach. I went through it, but it's not my prophecy. I went through it, but it's not my pen. I went through it, but it's not my prediction. My 
Prophecy is the word of the living God. Because if, if I'm not careful, I'll judge everything God wants to do by what's happened. I'm not saying this is easy, by the way. I'm not saying this is easy. That's why like 20% could stand. And 80% are like, I don't know about this. I'm clapping, but I'm freaked out. Because I'm screaming and the devil's whispering, don't get your hopes up. You've heard this kind of stuff before. You believed in 08. You believed in 1996. You believed in. And he'll just try to keep you somewhere. And he'll say, that's your prophecy. And so I have to. I have to hold on to hope. That's what Abraham did in Romans 4. The Bible says he held on to hope, though there was no hope. He hoped against hope. Because huh. he had 100 years of infertility. So when God says, you're going to have a baby, he laughed and Sarah laughed. That's why they named him Isaac, because Isaac means laughter. Because they judged God's prophecy by their past. And so a preacher shows up and says, God's going to do. And you go, yeah, but what had happened was. And you actually have to let that go. I had to let it go. And you just have to believe. You just have to hope against hope. God is not through blessing you. Can I say it one more time for those in the back? God is not through blessing you. Can I prophesy over everyone in overflow, everyone who's watching this online? God is not through. Blessing. If you believe it, come on, give God some praise. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. Number two, number two, bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. Bring me the ephod. There were two ephods. So when David says the ephod, he was specifically asking for the one that the high priest wore. See, there was an ephod that anyone in the Levitical priesthood could wear. It was a white linen robe. David actually wore this in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 6 when he's walking into the the Jerusalem with the ark and he's getting his dance on. Y'all remember this? And he says, I'll even be more undignified than this. And preachers have said he was in his underwear. No, he wasn't in his underwear. The reason Michael said you're making a fool of yourself is because he was wearing a priestly garment and he wasn't a priest. Or was he? She was also secretly mad at him because when David would do priestly things and wasn't a priest, God blessed him. But when Saul tried it, God cursed him. So Michael was a little salty about her father. Okay, I'm teaching. Sorry, let me... See, David was this weird, uh, it was this weird, like, interference in the force. In the Old Testament, under the law, that, like, he would do things that you couldn't do under the law, but it was a picture of grace. 
So like he would eat from the table of showbread, even though that was against the law, but it was a picture that anyone would be able to eat of Christ. He would worship around the throne and let Gentiles worship around the throne, around the ark, even though it should have been behind the Holy of Holies. But it was a picture of the new covenant when Gentiles, the uncircumcised, would be able to worship around the throne being Jesus. Y'all getting this? Um, he, uh, he would wear a, a, a priestly garment, though he wasn't a priest, but it was a picture of the new covenant. Revelation 1.6 that said, we are a kingdom of priests unto our God. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yeah, that's not, that's not just a cool scripture. That's prophetic language about us becoming something that you could not become in the old covenant, but you now can become under Christ. So, so David under the law says, bring me the ephod, not any ephod, the ephod which was the high priest garment. It's the one that if you've ever Googled this or seen this, it's the, it's the crazy one with all the colors and it's with the precious stones on the front. And he shouldn't have been able to wear it. But David said, I need the ephod because the ephod represented going into the holy place. It represented prayer. It represented being covered by the righteousness of God and going before God for answers. He shouldn't have been able to wear it, but he looks at his priest and he says, I'm going to need that. And Goliath's sword would have probably been around David. So I think his priest went, okay. (laughs) David said, I'm not moving until I get a personal word from God for where I'm going. I need to make a big decision and I refuse to do it without the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell anybody in this room, if you've got some big decisions to make, you don't have to make them without the Holy Spirit. Because now we are priests unto our God. And you can put an ephod on and you can go. I'm not talking about a physical one. Amen. Because we're not going to be that church. Amen. We're not going to be the crazy church with the wearing ephods in Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. Uh, no judgment, but we're not going to be that. But I'm talking about a spiritual ephod. I'm talking about you bringing an ephod, you getting before God, you saying, I'm not just going to rely on a YouTube sermon or what Jabin's going to bring or, or whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm going to put on the ephod. I'm going to get before God and I'm going to get a word from God. And the Bible said, David put on the ephod and he inquired of the Lord saying, because there's something about actually praying out loud. There's something about singing out loud. There's something about talking to God. There's something about crying out to God. There's something about worshiping God. There's something about not talking to anybody else, but talking straight to God and say, God, what do I do in this situation? And because David chose not to fight without the Holy Spirit's help, he decided, I cannot do this without God. I think it's amazing that he did not say, bring me a sword, bring me a shield, bring me a spear, bring me a bow and arrow said, bring me an ephod. Like I've got some natural decisions to make, but I'm not starting in the natural. I got some moves I do need to make, but I'm not, but I'm not moving on the natural. I've got a battle I need to fight, but this is how I fight my battles. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this in the spirit. I'm going to win in the spirit first. I'm going to win in the anointing first. I'm going to win with God first. I'm going to win in private first so that when I step out publicly, there is no fear because I already won the war. I already got the word from God. I already got the message from the Lord. God's already talked to me about what I'm going through. And so now I can boldly and easily step out in this thing because I've already fought my battles. This is how I fight my battles. I start in the spirit first. Wow. David said, I refuse to move until I get a word from God. I love how Proverbs says at 2131, it says, we can get ready for battle, but it's the Lord who gives the victory. I'm, I'm going to get ready, but I, but I presume nothing. God's got to give me the victory. So I'm going to inquire of the Lord. Let's pray about it. What a great phrase that I think needs to get in your mouth, especially dads. Let's pray about it. Should we homeschool, private school, public school? Let's pray about it. Should we do this? Should we do? Let's pray about it. Can we do this? Can we do this? What vacation? Let's pray about it. Should we buy this car? That Let's pray about it. Should we move to this side of town? Should we move to that side? Should we buy a house? Should we wait? Should we see what's going to happen with the economy? Let's pray about it. Boy, that makes life so much easier. I'm telling you the truth. Should we move back? Should we go here? Should we go there? We, let's pray about it. Number three, recover all. Recover all. Man, the keys come up. Recover all. God said, overtake them. And without fail, recover all. Here's what I want to say. I want to sit down. I want to talk to you for a second. Can I take this? Am I going to break something? Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pursue recovery, but let God define the recovery. Yeah, y'all hear me? Is this thing on? Check, check, check. Okay. You pursue it, but let God define it. So I don't know what recovery looks like post the divorce. I don't know what recovery looks like now that you're really trying to make your marriage work. I don't know what recovery looks like in this new season. I don't know what recovery looks like with this new job. I don't know what recovery is going to look like in, in this season. I, I'm not, I'm not, what, what I'm asking you to do is believe for it, pray for it, and prophesy it, but let God define it. Here's, here's why I don't want you to define it. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Because you're probably thinking too small. I'm going to let y'all clap if you want to because I feel like you should. I feel like I'm talking to someone right now. And you're, you're, you're still going back to the good old days. But the good old days are too small. 
Let God define it because if you define it, it's going to be too small. You're, you're going to dream too small. So dream bigger. Dream for more. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it looks like after that loss. I don't know what it looks like after that death. I don't know what it looks like after that that season. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. But don't get caught up in the defining. Because you'll probably move too soon or you'll move too small. So let God define the recovery as he sees fit as long as you're believing for it. So here's my faith declaration. God is restoring. I am recovering. And the best is yet to come. I feel this right now. I can't sit anymore. God is restoring. I am recovering. If you need it, stand right now. And the best is yet to come. If I'm preaching to you right now, God is restoring. I am recovering. And the best is yet to come. Help me preach. Everybody say, God is restoring. I am recovering. And the best is yet to come. One more time, say, God is restoring. I am recovering. And the best is yet to come. Well, one more time, because I think the devil's getting annoyed. Come on, say, God is restoring. I am recovering. And the best is yet to come. Now, if you believe it, give God the best praise you've given him all day. Come on, shout. You can be seated. I, I, I believe this. I don't know what it all looks like. I don't know what it all looks like. But I do know, I know enough about God to, to say he's the God of Ephesians 3.20. Exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. I know it's, I know it's bigger than you think. Say amen, little girl, whoever that was. Help me preach, or boy, or whoever. Help me preach. It's bigger than I think. Here, here's, how, here's how Paul said it. He said, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God. Only, only God can make it grow. Or only God can give the increase, or... You know, I didn't, I didn't really come, Brett, I didn't really come to Vegas with a plan, but I came with a seed. Amen. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. But, I, but I, what I made a point of is I wasn't going to get caught in trying to do something only God, only God can do. Oh my God. Because only God can do that part. We got to grow. Bring your friends. People are going to hell. That works. 
I can't do that. Y'all ever been to that church? <laughs> Help us, Lord. I don't, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I can't do that with anything that I really want the Holy Spirit to do in my life. But I can plant seed. And I can water through prayer, worship, and the Holy Spirit. But God, you're going to make it grow how you want to make it grow. And I'm going to be cool with that because I can't change it anyway. <laughs> uh, in the, in the, just the last two weeks, the Lord, I got two very clear instructions about two different things. So clear. One was about giving someone money and, and uh, a church money that I felt like we were su- supposed to support. And then one was about just a conversation I needed to have with someone and a really challenging conversation that I, that I wanted to uh, do in the flesh. Amen. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like I wanted, to, I wanted old Jabin to come out for that conversation, not, not new life in Christ Jabin. Amen. Y'all know that? Y'all have that person? Y'all got the old Jeff once in a while? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. <laughs> And, uh, and in both, both situations, the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly to us about what to do in these situations. And I obeyed, thank God. Whew. It doesn't always work that way. Uh, and both situations were marked by like significant blessing. Um, but I can't make it grow. But I can just keep sowing the seed and watering. And then I just trust. I don't know what recovery looks like for you. I just know it's happening. I declare you're going to see it. I declare God's not through blessing you. Now just rejoice in that, trust that, rest in that. And... Let him make it grow. In Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen.